Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Haskin, here with another album review. A couple nights ago, I actually recorded the review of Ingve Malmsteen's second album, Marching Out, and I thought, you know, that was kind of silly. I should have done Rising Force first. So uh, here I am doing Rising Force second, although you will hear it first. That is just the magic of broadcasting. Ooh, I am a time traveler. Uh, I've actually been accused of that before for some reason. Now, this album, I don't remember when I first heard it. I don't know if I actually heard Marching Out before I heard Rising Force. Couldn't tell you. What I do remember is that uh, this would be back in Michigan, so prior to 87. And uh, I do remember really, really liking both of these albums. Not every song, but we'll get into that as we dig in through the songs. But this album came out in 1984. And to give you an Yngwie Malmsteen timeline, we have Alcatraz's No Parole for Rock and Roll in 83, Rising Force from Yngwie Malmsteen in 84, and then Marching Out from Yngwie Malmsteen in 85. So he was a very busy guy. Don't know how big his tours were because he was still fairly new. So he may not have been doing, you know, full world tours or, or really intensive touring. Might have had a little more time to write and, uh, and, and get some great stuff down on record as he built his career. Uh, the lineup on this album on guitar, moog, and bass guitar is Ingve Malmsteen. On keyboards, we have Jens Johansson. On drums, we have Barrymore Barlow. And on vocals, we have Jeff Scott Soto. So a slight departure from the lineup that we get on Marching Out. Um, they do add a bass player and uh, have a different key or a different uh, drummer, but the rest of the lineup is the same. And these are all very talented musicians. Um, my brother and I used to play a couple of these songs, and I, I always had fun playing Ingve songs because they had some really good energy to them. And uh, recently learned that I was playing some of them wrong as I've gotten, you know, and I talk about this in the Marching Out episode too. I, I've gotten better equipment. I've gotten uh, more clarity in my audio so I can actually hear a little bit more about what's going on. And boy, there is some stuff that I missed. And we'll get to that uh, as we get to the songs. But yeah, a, a great album. And, and, you know, coming off of uh, the, the first Alcatraz album, and really, you know, kind of working with with that band, you could really see the progression of where Ingve came from and, and how he was building in, in his own, you know, when he has a little more control over it, how the music is written. He's pretty classically influenced. Uh, sometimes he says he was very heavily influenced by Richie Blackmore, and sometimes he says he wasn't at all. So you really never know uh, what that influence is. I would say it's it's there in the playing. He also plays a blonde strat. So, you know, that's that can't be coincidental. Um, well, I suppose it could, but it's pretty unlikely. So let's dig into this album. It's a, it's a really cool one. I enjoy it. Black Star is our first song. Thank you. 
Yeah, and that's pretty much the whole song. I mean, it it goes on for almost five minutes, but it's pretty much just this. It's it's a very self indulgent uh, guitar instrumental, to be honest. Um, I think it's got some good parts in it. I, I like Ingve's sound that he's getting, but the mix it, it's kind of lacking some power for me. I think if the if the drums were maybe pushed a little bit heavier, maybe a little more low end in the bass drum or something, it would just it would drive a little bit more. But I feel like the the mix is just lacking a little bit of excitement. Uh, the writing is good, the performances are good, but you know when you've got a great singer like Jeff Scott Soto. And you want to open the album with a guitar instrumental that's almost, you know, five minutes and really just doesn't go anywhere besides this. I mean, there's some really nice layering, some really good playing in it, but it's kind of, I don't know, kind of a weird choice to me. If this were a little later in the album, I think I would appreciate it more. But to start the album, to set the tone of what your band is, because this is the first song on the first album. Um, I don't know. I, I would have expected something a little bit heavier, a little bit uh, more hard rock defining and and definitely something with a powerful vocal. Ingve um, chose not to go that way. And he's a producer. So I'm I'm sure that he pretty much even back then was calling the shots on, on pretty much everything he did. So uh, I don't know, kind of a weird opener for me. I think it's a decent song, but as an opener, I, I don't think it it works as well. Uh, but let's check out the next track. Maybe we'll find something a little bit better there. Far Beyond the Sun. So I'm really back and forth on this one. Um, I, it's it's a decent instrumental, but here, you know, we've only got eight songs on the album. The first two are instrumental. We don't even know there's a singer on it yet. Um, and again, it's just a lot of flashy guitar playing. There are some really cool trade-offs between guitar and keyboards. Um, I, I noticed that that is something that Yngwie does like to do, at least with, with Jens Johansson, because there's some of that on the next album, too. Um, but yeah, it, it's just, here's an, an instrumental that's mostly about how flashy of a guitar player I am. And then another instrumental about how flashy of a guitar player I am, uh, break them up a little bit, you know, put them in different spots in the album. If you're going to have an instrumental as an opener, this would have been a much better one to pick and then put black star, you know, maybe in the middle of the album somewhere, I think would, would have worked a lot better. Uh, but again, that's, that's just me and my style of producing, but um, again, it's like there's just something lacking in the mix that really drives this song. And I don't know if the drum sound is really that it's weak because I don't think it is. But I think there's just something missing, like an exciter or a widener, like just something that, that's missing the push on this album. And I never noticed that before. It's, it's funny when you start, like when you just 
are young and you get an album and you're listening to it and you're you're kind of learning the songs, but you don't really think about production unless there's something that really stands out. You just kind of take it as it is. But as you become an audio engineer or someone who is much more of um, you know, a person who understands how music is put together and how it's mixed and all that, maybe you're not necessarily an engineer, but you understand the basics of it. You know, you start looking at things a different way. This, a lot of these reviews that I do, this is like the first time I've really actually sat down and put thought into the production of things or, or maybe put more thought into the writing or the arrangements or, or, you know, different things. Because most of the time, especially because a lot of these albums that I'm doing on the show are ones that I've known for decades. So they're ones that I just don't, I don't put thought into a whole lot. I just enjoy them as they are. So, you know, this is really the first time I've listened to this album from a, a more experienced ear. And I'm just hearing that there's there's just something that's a little bit lackluster. There's there's it's missing a polish somewhere. Um, I think it's a shame because the performances are good, but yeah, I'm just not feeling that for this kind of music, like this should really be driving. This this should be pushing the limits in in my ears. And and the performances are, but the sound just isn't. So I don't know, maybe once we get some vocals in here, I'll feel a little bit different. And oh look, our next song actually has vocals. Took to song number three, but now your ships are burned. Burned. One thing Yngwie likes to do a lot of is stops and starts, you know, um, let's just hit a couple drums in the pause or let's, you know, choke a crash cymbal or something. Uh, he does a lot of that kind of stuff, almost to the point where it's it's just kind of ridiculous. Sometimes you just want songs to flow. They don't all need to have stops like that. Uh, but I will say once this song got going, the patterns that uh, Barrymore Barlow was playing on drums were fantastic. You know, he's got this one thing going on the ride, another thing going gently on the snare head. And I never heard that part on the snare head before. I'd only heard the ride and the main pop of the snare, but not the subtleties of what he was playing. So uh, anytime I played this song, I played it completely wrong. Very cool technique, I have to say. I really, really dig that. Um, We finally get to hear Jeff Scott Soto on some vocals, which is nice. Um, keyboards are kind of subtle, uh, you know, on, on the part that we heard. We, we don't, unless they're really featured, we really don't hear them a whole lot. Um, they're, they're filler, you know, they thicken up the songs a little bit, but it's not a predominant instrument in a lot of his music. It's really about the guitar. Um, but a nice vocal on this one. I really love the, the change from the verse to the chorus. It's, it's just got this really different feel to it all together, which is pretty nice really un- un- unexpected. 
you know, and I love parts that are unexpected. I mean, of course, I expect it now because I know the song. But uh, yeah, this is a cool song. I, I really dig this tune, I have to say. And uh, even even the instrumental section in the beginning is pretty sweet. It's it, It's got a great movement to it. It really does. Um, I'm not feeling as much, like I said, of the power because of the mix, but the movement of Yngwie's playing on that is really, really good. And I love the guitar tone that he's getting on this one for sure. I'd like a little more bass too. I mean, if he's playing bass, he's probably doing some dynamics that uh, other bass players might not. So I kind of wish I could hear a little bit more of what he's doing there. But, you know, sometimes you just got to take what you can get. Our next song is called Evil Eye, another one I've played many, many times on drums. Yeah, this song is pretty badass, I have to say. And another one where uh, Barrymore Barlow's just ripping through some really amazing and intricate uh, patterns, you know, on the drums with that that combination again of the ride and the snare. Uh, really cool through the verses of this song. I, I really like what he's playing on this. Uh, again, I didn't hear any of that, so I played it much more straightforward. Um, I, I don't know that I would have had the skills at the time to pull that off. But uh, yeah, very interesting drums. I would say that that might be one of the best things about this album is is the stuff he's playing. Um, but this is a good song. I mean, it's it, there. There is a lot of self indulgence on all of these songs from Ingve, but there's a nice uh, combination of, of classical and rock, and then there's another part that where the acoustic comes back in. It, it's a really cool, well flowing song, and I think the parts are interesting. I think he's not. He's not so self-indulgent, it's annoying on this one. I think that, that he actually plays very well. He's got a lot of fillers that he puts in there that are kind of flashy, but you know, they're not, I don't mind them, to be honest. I think this is a this is probably one of his best songs that I know of. And he's got tons of albums out now. I only really know the first couple. I kind of lost interest after marching out. Um, I think Trilogy was the third one, and I think Jolyn Turner was the vocalist on that. I've heard bits and pieces of it, but... Um, yeah, the, the first two albums I really liked and I just kind of petered off after that, uh, which happens, you know, some bands, I just like one song and I never check them out. So two albums is pretty good actually for, for a band for me. 
Um, but yeah, this is definitely a, a very, very cool song. One of the best on the album. Well worth checking out the the entire song. You get uh, about five and a quarter minutes on this one. And I, I would say every second of it is worth listening to. So check that one out. And that puts us on what I, I if I remember right, because I think, I think I had the LP to this, the vinyl. Um, I think that was the end of side one. So uh, our next song is called Icarus Dream Suite Opus 4. Now, I'll be honest with you, I, I'm not particularly a fan of this song. Um, that opening would be great for a live set, but on an album, uh, it might work as the first song to to have that kind of concert opening like that. But to do it four times is a little ridiculous, even live. And then to put that in the, the middle of the album, so probably the first song on the second side of the LP, uh, that's a, a weird place to put a concert opening, you know, especially with that many repeats. So this is a very ridiculous eight minutes and 35 seconds. And it, it doesn't, for me, it just doesn't really go anywhere. It's just, you know, part here, part there, they're, they're drawn out. Um, I don't know, this, the, this just doesn't really excite me a whole lot. I mean, there's, there's some decent playing. There's a couple ideas in there, but I think they actually could have split this into maybe two or three other songs and really develop those into something else instead of just kind of, all right, now we're going to morph from this part into that part. And I don't know, that's a, that's an awful long instrumental if you're not making it interesting. And for me, this one just isn't that interesting. Um, but as I always say, I invite you guys to check it out. I mean, my opinion is just mine and it's how I feel in the moment. But I don't think I've ever really, except for the first time when I listened to the whole album, I don't know that I've ever listened to this song in its entirety. Um, but check it out. You know, maybe it'll be one that you just really connect with, especially if you're a guitar player, because remember, I'm not. Uh, that brings us to our next song. And, and again, so, all right, so we've had five songs and we've had, what, one with vocals so far? One. I mean, I hope Jeff just pretty much did his work in one day and went home because there's hasn't been a lot for him to do on this album. So uh, that brings us to song number six, As Above, So Below.
Yeah, this is a good one too. I, I really like this song. Um, I think the the intro is a little bit long. I, I honestly could have done without the organ part. Uh, reminded me a lot of Can't Let You Go by Rainbow, uh, which I think also came out in 84, I want to say. Maybe it was 83. Um, but the from the part that the guitar kicks in, I think it's really good. I love the galloping drums. That's, that's a nice touch. Uh, great vocal, really strong, especially in the chorus. Um, but the, the guitars are good on this one. I, I like the little guitar harmonies that we heard in the beginning. That was nice. Um, could hear a little bit more of the bass on this one. I, and I forgot to mention on uh, Icarus Dream Suite Opus 4 as well, I did get to hear some of the bass on that one. It sounded really good. Um, but As Above, So Below, yeah, this is a good song. Uh, it's It's got a good beat to it. It's just the right tempo. And um, it's one I, I, I have always liked. In fact, sometimes I, I used to get the album out just to hear that song. And then I'd be like, all right, I want to hear you hear Evil Eye since I got the album out, you know. It uh, it wasn't just like pulling it up on your MP3 player. You had to go to your shelf. You had to find the album in, in the the giant stack of albums you had and then, you know, get it out of the, the uh, not just the cardboard, but that little um, plastic sleeve that was in there, you know, that was kind of like cellophane and made it really difficult. But it kept the static off the album. So that was important. Um, you know, it was like a whole process. So if you got the album out, you wouldn't often just want to hear one song and put it away. You might as well hear, you know, a couple that you like. So, yeah, but this was one that I, I would get out and listen to quite a bit because I think it's a fantastic song and uh, got great energy to it. Uh, really nice guitar solo in this one, too, I have to say. And uh, and again, a, a great vocal, great drums. Um, not a lot of keyboards that I noticed apart from the the intro. They're just kind of subtle in there, like they are mixed very subtly on this album. So I, I wish I could hear a little more of what was going on there. But apart from that, excellent song. Highly recommend that one. Um, wow, we're already down to our last two songs. This is going to be a short podcast, uh, but there's only eight. So that's that's how it goes sometimes. This one is called Little Savage, as opposed to Giant Savage.
Yeah, this one's pretty cool. Um, it's it's got a really weird feel to the beat, but it is in four four. Um, but it just it just kind of you know shuffles right there to make you feel like it's not. Uh, for a minute, I thought it was in three, and I, I went back and counted it. No, it's in four. But uh, yeah, a cool song. You know, it's it, it goes back into the classical and then into the rock and then into the lighter part again. There's a harpsichord part in here. Um, it's just like his instrumentals are so predictable and, and the concept of them is fairly repetitive. Um, I don't like that, but I, I like the individual parts. I think they're all pretty cool. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a long song, almost five and a half minutes for an instrumental, but a pretty decent one. It's got a good groove to it. There's definitely some parts in here that I really enjoyed. Again, uh, I have to say, Barrymore Barlow's really tearing it up on drums, just playing some really interesting stuff. Very creative guy. And uh, I think he really fit the album well. I, I would be curious to know why he wasn't on the second album. Um, I think the, the second album, the drums are great as well. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, this guy is very unique, very individual. And maybe that was the problem. Who knows? You know, Yngwie is a very strong, uh, solid belief in his opinion guy. So maybe there was some personality issues. I don't know. But musically, I think he's a very, very good drummer. Um, so and this is this song certainly shows him off quite a bit. It's also got some good bass in there that you can hear. Uh, it's like it's almost like they heard me and said, OK, well, we'll give him a little more bass. Uh, I'm glad they did because that, that was it was a nice blend in there. Uh, nice harpsichord part, too. I, I think the song could have done without that section because they had already had a part where it kind of mellowed out a little bit. But uh, but it was a very cool part, just the same. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I like a lot of the parts and the ideas, but sometimes the arrangements are just a little much. Um, not not always my cup of tea, but uh, but a good song. Definitely check out Little Savage. And now we're going to end the album with a very short song, the shortest one on the album at 48 seconds. We might as well hear the whole thing. Here is Farewell. Yeah, very Johann Sebastian Bach, who I'm sure was one of Ingve's classical influences. Um, it's so apparent in, in a lot of stuff that he plays. Uh, this is a nice piece, you know. Um, I, I actually would have liked to have seen this developed into something a little bit bigger. But, uh, you know, it's just him on a beautifully recorded guitar. I have to say that the sound of the guitar, the reverb, uh, great capture on the recording. Uh, it's, it's a really nice piece, you know, to end the album with. Nothing nothing too major. Kind of odd coming off of that last rock instrumental because it does kind of end in a little bit of craziness with, with some of the best drums I've heard on the album. Uh, and then it just kind of just stops and goes into this. But uh, yeah, this is, you know, it's, it's a pretty little way to end the album. Just a little, hey, I'm going to tip my hat to you and say thanks for listening, kind of feel to it. Um, nice little piece for, for the end of the album, I have to say. And that's it, guys. We did it in less than a half an hour. Holy crap. I mean, there just wasn't much to this album time-wise, or, or because there's only eight songs. 
Um, but it's, you know, it's for all of its flaws, I think it's a pretty decent album. I think it's worth listening to if you like hard rock, uh, especially if you're a guitarist or, or one of those people that likes the, you know, the shredding style of guitar a little bit more. Check it out. Ingve Malmsteen, Rising Force. It is harder to find. Both this and Marching Out are not on iTunes, which I find interesting. Uh, they are both on Amazon uh, in MP3 form as well as vinyl and um, CD. Um, you can also, I'm sure, find it uh, on eBay and cassette as well. Um, just, you know, you have to go looking for it. But I do have the Amazon link in uh, this show and the next show for for both of those respective albums. But thanks, guys, for joining me. Um, this is a little bit different of a feel of the kind of stuff that I normally cover because Yngwie is pretty individual. But uh, yeah, good stuff. I, I appreciate you guys hanging in there and joining me on the show. And we'll see you next week with another episode. Cheers. Cheers.